0: Our topic for the morning, a cold splash of water, is drawn from our text in the fourth chapter of John. It's a a fairly familiar text, I believe. It is the encounter uh, that Jesus has with a woman, a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well in Samaria. So I'll be reading. It's found in chapter 4. I'll be reading portions of it. I'll I'll begin with uh, verse 5 of chapter 4, read through the 30th verse, and then pick up the end of the story, end of the chapter there. We're towards the end of the chapter there uh, with verse 39. So I invite you to listen for the word of God. So he, meaning Jesus, came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. They left the city and were on their way to him. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you have said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Friends, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Ours is a world familiar with division politically, sociologically, logically, economically, religiously. Division has been part of our history and surely will continue to be part of our future. Indeed, the, the history of humankind could be written from the perspective of the dynamics, natural and otherwise, that have pro- combined to produce division. Ours is a country... Familiar with division indeed. We are probably as divided now as we were back during the war of northern aggression back in the 1860s (laughs) The issues which divide are substantial Political ideology of course the chasm between rich and poor the battle for civil rights historically the denial of women for many years the right to vote and hold office LGBTQ rights the list is endless And for many in today's society, even families are familiar with division. Robert Orban shares, who can ever forget Winston Churchill's immortal words? We shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the fields and in the streets, we shall fight in the hills. To which Orban adds, it sounds exactly like our family vacation. Although obviously family squabbling is far different than family division, we know of divisions within families that are never healed. And some of the most severe divisions have occurred down religious lines. Not only do we have divisions among faith groups which share a common heritage, Christian-Jew, Jew-Muslim, Muslim-Christian, we also have divisions within divisions, Protestant, Catholic, Anglican, Reformed, Fundamentalist, Liberal, etc. Perhaps you're familiar with the adage, there is no beast more ferocious than two Christians who disagree. Or perhaps you've heard the story of the small town in East Tennessee. Sandy it might even have been Morristown, I'm not sure. Hardly big enough to support one church, where on opposite sides of Main Street stood the First Baptist Church and The second Baptist church. Well, when a a visitor inquired as to why there were two Baptist churches in this single tiny town, the visitor was told, well, this Baptist church says, there ain't no hell. And this other Baptist church says, the hell there ain't. (laughs) Well, sadly, Baptists are not the only ones who are riddled with division. Ours is a denomination, the Presbyterian church familiar with division whether gays and lesbians should be eligible to be ordained as elders and deacons and ministers, the ordination of women, the place of African Americans in worship and at the Lord's table, the justification for slavery, emotional excess in place of right belief. These issues and others have left their divisive imprint on the history of the Presbyterian Church in these United States. The Presbyterian Church USA has in its history split or splintered and in some cases reunited more than 15 times in its history well if it's any comfort these internecine family squabbles which are part and parcel of the history of our world nation and religious landscape are also part of the history of Israel underlying our Johannine scripture passage is the ancient division of Samaritan and Jew The author of the fourth gospel tells us that Jesus leaves Judea, you see Judea there, and then to go to Galilee, but then he gives us a red flag, but he had to go through Samaria. You can see on the map there that to get from Judea up to Galilee, you must go through Samaria, Samaria. The conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman he meets at the well, the longest recorded conversation between Jesus and any one individual in the Bible, sheds light on how Jesus deals with this division. A Samaritan woman comes to a well to draw water. There she notices a man resting. She is taken by surprise when Jesus speaks to her. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? After all, Jews and Samaritans do not share things in common. There is a sharp division between the two groups, an acrimonious division. But such has not always been the case. Samaritans and Jews were formerly united in practice of their religion. They share a common heritage. Thus the woman refers to our ancestor Jacob. They're part of the same family. But there arose a conflict within the family. Are you surprised? The conflict here focuses or focused on location. Where is the center, the home, the denominal national headquarters, so to speak, of our faith. Is it Mount Gerizim or is it Jerusalem? If you remember the map I showed earlier, Mount Gerizim is in the middle of that area of Samaria. Mount Gerizim is sacred to the Samaritans, who regard it, rather than Jerusalem's temple mount, as having been the location chosen by Yahweh for a holy temple. Indeed, according to rabbinic literature, in order to convert to Judaism, a Samaritan must first and foremost renounce any belief in the sanctity of Mount Gerizim. This conflict became so heated, so divisive, that agreement could not be reached. And when compromise failed, the Samaritans withdrew to Mount Gerizim, maintaining that they and not the Jews were the bearers of the true faith of ancient Israel as expounded by Moses. The dispute over time became so acrimonious that Jew and Samaritan would not even speak to each other. Thus thus the shock value of a parable like the parable of the good Samaritan. Fraternal relations became impossible to maintain. Each thought the other apostate. Their quarrel became a full-scale division. Thus, the woman's question, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? This Samaritan woman is a pretty sharp cookie. They enter into a game of of doublespeak, which she clearly enjoys, with the word living as the foil. In Greek, the word can simply mean running water, as opposed to still, stagnant water. It can also mean living water, as in life-giving This woman seems to enjoy this this game of verbal repartee, and as Jesus moves the woman further and further along in her understanding of what kind of water he is offering to her, the woman decides to see how he'll respond to a question about this ancient division. Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship in Jerusalem... This long-standing conflict between Samaritan and Jew stands as an obstacle between this woman and her relationship with Jesus and God. Fully aware of this ancient division, Jesus replies, woman, believe me, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. The hour is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. As Jesus tends to do with conflict, he changes the emphasis. He turns the issue away from the conflict to one's relationship with God. Whether it's the Pharisee and his insistence on following the letter of the law as as a way of being in relationship with God, or the sinner who has ignored or given up on his or her relationship with God, or where God should be worshipped, jesus brings god to the forefront jesus doesn't deny the division the conflict he simply suggests that worship of god transcends that conflict offering to the sinner as well as the saint a relationship which transcends division and conflict and friends therein lies hope that even in the midst of a divided world a divided church a divided nation god in christ transcends the chasms that divide so that between religiously motivated groups there can be celebration that despite division god is honored when god is worshiped in spirit and in truth and as surely as jesus is talking to this woman by the well just as Clearly, as John is speaking to his still young and growing Christian community, clearer still is the fact that these words address our religiously pluralistic society today. You perhaps have heard uh, of John Wesley, the founder of Methodism's dream. He was concerned about the rise of denominations in the church, and, and in this dream, he was ushered into the gates of hell. There he asked, Are there any Presbyterians here? Yes, came the reply. Then he asked, Are there any Baptists? Yes. Any Episcopalians? Yes. Any Methodists? Yes. The answer was yes each time. Much distressed, Wesley was then ushered to the gates of heaven. There he asked the question, the same question, and the answer was no, no, no. To this, Wesley answered, Who who then is inside? The answer came came back, there are only people here. In Christ, all people ultimately are united in a common purpose, ministry and mission, which transcend the human barriers we erect that separate Christian from Christian and and Christian from the rest of the world. Confessing not only our sinfulness in erecting these barriers, but also our inability to remove them still we are called to celebrate the power of God in Christ that is indeed able to transcend the chasms that separate us. Perhaps you notice that by the end of our reading, the scope of the saving power of Jesus had expanded. Beginning with a conversation between a Jew and a Samaritan, John has by verse 42... The acclamation on the mouths of the Samaritans themselves that Jesus is Savior not simply of a particular group, but the Savior of the world. It is this far reaching Christology that the author of this gospel addresses human division indeed as inheritors of this gospel we are moved to proclaim that jesus indeed is the savior of the world transcending all that divide so that women men and children whether black or white rich or poor straight or gay young or old catholic or protestant liberal or evangelical all people who call jesus lord can draw strength and comfort that where humans divide Jesus unites. Where humans tear down, Jesus builds up. Where humans limit, Jesus transcends. Jesus invites us to drink of this living water, water that only he can provide. Maybe a cold splash of water to the face will remind us of what is really important. For it is this living water that enables persons of differing viewpoints, differing theologies, differing backgrounds, much as you find right here in this church, to engage in efforts that bring peace and hope and joy to others. So when you, with good intent and for reasons of conscience, reach that place where you are simply unable to see eye to eye with another individual, remember this passage. Remember that Jesus transcends those differences in a way that is beyond our understanding. Such knowledge is God's gift to us and provides not only hope for our journey, but also hope for the world. Praise be to God that it is so. Let us pray. Oh God, we know of division. We live it each day in our lives, in our country, in our world. Help us to not give in to despair. Help us to see you in our future. And with you in our future, we are hopeful, we are comforted, we are confident that you can overcome those divisions which split and splinter your human family today through Jesus Christ. Amen.